Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Good morning, Life Church. It's wonderful to be with you guys and to worship this morning. Hey, let's just begin with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just pray for every person that's here, that's watching this morning. God, that you would just bless them. And Lord, I just pray that you'd speak through the Gospel of Luke today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, it's so wonderful to be with you guys uh, on this snowy weekend. There's a lot crazy going on out there. And I am so excited to be able to speak this message today. You know, the last several weeks, God has really been wrestling with me with creating rest and creating Sabbath in, in my own space, in my own life. And so today we get to talk about the Sabbath. And that just makes me so excited because I am preaching not only to you today, but I am preaching right to me because this is something that, that, uh, uh, that God has just been doing inside of me. So I just want to Open the Bible. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 1. Luke 6, verse 1. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? You see what's going on here? The disciples and Jesus are walking through these fields, and they just pick a few grains. And and the Pharisees are now, they're watching Jesus. They're watching everything that they're doing. They're trying to catch Jesus in traps. And and according to the the Pharisees and the law, that, that you're not allowed to pick things on there, and and we're going to cover the rest of these verses in just one second. But in verse 5, Jesus turns to them, turns to the Pharisees, and he says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this today because we're looking, we're continuing in our series in the book of Luke, and we're looking at Jesus talking to the Pharisees and saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. That word Sabbath simply means Shavat in Hebrew. It means to rest. Jesus is saying, I am the Lord of rest or the Lord of restoration. And today we're going to look about the original intent of the Sabbath, how Jesus came to restore and fulfill the Sabbath, and how we can incorporate that into our lives. I don't know about you guys, but Sabbath has kind of gotten a bad rap. I can remember as a kid, I always hated hearing this concept of Sabbath. It just sounded so terrible. And I was grateful that growing up in a Christian home that we didn't really celebrate this Sabbath. Like no Saturday morning cartoons, no listening to music, no going out, no hanging out. That just sounded awful. But really what this this passage is telling us and what what Jesus is going to do here in these couple of stories talking about the Sabbath is Jesus is really saying the Sabbath is super important because the ultimate thing is that God created the Sabbath because of our deep need for restorative rest. God created the Sabbath because of our deep need for restorative rest. You see, the the original intent of the Sabbath, we find this all the way back at the beginning, all the way back in Genesis 1, where God created the heavens and the earth, and for six days he created, and he created, and at the end of each day he would say, it is good. It is good. And on the sixth day he created man and woman, Adam and Eve, and he said, it is very good. And then on the seventh day, God rested. And we see this in Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. 
So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, why is God taking a step back and resting on this day, resting on the Sabbath, resting on this seventh day? It's not like God got tired. He's God. He doesn't get tired. He could create every day from here into eternity. But what God is doing in this moment is he's stepping back and he's looking at everything that he has created. And he is saying it is good. It is very good. In other words, there's this utter satisfaction with all the creation that he has just created. And he is resting this Sabbath in looking back at everything that has just been done. And then God, God then, then establishes this, the, the Sabbath for his people. In Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work. And then he goes on to say, everybody in your house, your sons, your daughters, your servants, no one is going to do any work. And then in verse 11, it says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, now God in this moment, God is establishing this for his people, and he's doing this for a couple of, a couple of reasons. One, it's, he's, he's calling people to step back and to work for six days, but then to be free to rest, to be free to look back at everything that we've done in our, on, on our week-to-week stuff, all the work that we've done, everything that's been completed, but then to step back and to rest and to look and to find satisfaction in everything that we've done. But it's something even larger than that. God is inviting us to step back and to find rest and to look back at what he has done, at what he has created. You see, this passage in Exodus 20, God God is speaking this to the children of Israel, the people who he has just rescued from slavery, that they were slaves in Egypt. Now, when you're a slave, you don't get a day off. You don't get to go to your boss and say, hey, I know Pharaoh's got this thing. He wants it done by next month. But man, my back is killing me. I really got to take a couple of weeks off. I need to lie by the Nile, chill out, relax, kind of get some rest here. No, when you're a slave, you don't get to have rest. The slaves, when the children of Israel were in Egypt, they were working seven days a week, every day of the month, every day of the year. If you said no, you got killed. And now that God has rescued them from slavery and they're walking out and, and, and now God is saying, hey, I want you to work for six days and I want you to look back and to realize that I rescued you from slavery, that I brought you out and I want you to be free to rest, free to spend time with me. And the same applies for us today that God knows that we need deep restorative rest for our souls. You see, we live in a time and a day and an age in Western culture where work has become everything. That our lives are so incredibly busy. That we live in a time of inflation or hyperinflation where everything is more expensive. I start going to the store now looking at the cost of things and it's like, yeah, no, I don't need that. Five things shouldn't cost me 50 bucks walking out of the store, but we live in a time where inflation is high. We live in a time where our work structure 
creates this, uh, this, uh, this momentum for us to have to work harder and to do more. There's more people that are, that are dual-income families where, where both people are having to work to be able to afford to live here, and there's this pressure that comes with that. There's a pressure to, for some of you working two or three jobs just to be able to survive. I was talking to someone last week, and he was moving in with a buddy who had just gotten married. They're a newlywed couple, but in order for their finances to work, they had to have a roommate come in and live with them. We live in a time where we have to work so hard in order to be able to survive and to live, and, and we put this pressure on, our, on ourselves. And we put this pressure on ourselves that also comes in the, in the form of family. It comes in the form of school. You see, back in, in Jewish culture, it's not like they had the, the JYSO, the Jewish Youth Soccer Organization. It wasn't like they were going to practice every single day of the week and then had tournaments on the weekend. And, and our kids and the pressure of, the, of a family and wanting success for our kids that will end up in volleyball tournaments and club volleyball and Little League and baseball and soccer. And we feel this pressure to continue to go and to go and to go and kids and school and homework and every day. And then we end up on this rat race that we can't get off, that we have the most job insecurity that we've ever had. Companies shrinking, departments going away, that there's this pressure that even though I'm sick, even though I need a break, I need to keep going to work because I need my boss to see me as someone valuable so that I don't get laid off. And it creates this pressure upon pressure upon pressure to where we continue to work and work and work, and our souls are in deep need of restorative rest. And not only that, but on top of that, we have our phones, we have our iPads, we have our media. Everybody can get a hold of you in any given moment. Every Sunday, I get that little alert that tells me if I've been a good boy or a bad boy that week. Is my time on my screen, is it up or is it down? And I'm, I'm generally shocked at how much time I spend staring at my screen every single day. And ultimately, God wants us to take restorative rest because God knows that we have a tendency to find our ultimate meaning in the temporary things of this world. You see, God wants us to take Sabbath because our souls need restorative rest on a weekly, daily, monthly basis. But God wants us to take restorative rest because God knows that we have a tendency when we get too busy that I will begin to find my identity in my work, in what I do, in my family, and how my kids do in school, and how my kids do in sports, that we will find our ultimate identity And see, we need to rest, to be able to look back and to say, okay, look at everything that I've done. God, look at everything that you have done in my life. But I have to step back to admire that. But then also, when I step back and I I center myself back into the rest that Jesus provides, I can recognize that my ultimate meaning is found in Him. That my ultimate meaning is found in Him. You see, Jesus ultimately is the fulfillment of the Sabbath and invites us to rest in Him. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath and invites us to rest in Him. We've been going through this book of Luke, and it's really, it's really amazing to see that, that, that how, how Luke is forming his argument through these chapters. 
you see, we, the last several weeks, we've been hitting on these, these different areas where Jesus is coming and establishing his kingdom. Jesus is coming and, and he, is, he is establishing the upside-down kingdom where things don't make sense, where, where Jesus steps in and touches the leper. He touches the unclean to make them whole, where Jesus says, I have come for the sinners and for the sick and not the righteous and the healthy, that Jesus is coming to do a new thing and new wineskins. And now Jesus is stepping in with the story of the Sabbath, and he is restoring the Sabbath because he is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. You see, Sabbath in the Jewish culture had become something extra. There were 39 forms of work that you could not engage in on the Sabbath. The Sabbath regulations would tell you how far you could walk, uh, what you could do to prepare food, what you couldn't do to prepare food. Who gets medical treatment? You better be about to die because that's the only time that you're getting medical treatment. And it missed the point of the entire, the, the entire intent of what Sabbath was created for. In 1992, there was a Jewish community and, uh, and on the Sabbath day, uh, an apartment building caught on fire, and the neighbors were so concerned, and they wanted to call the fire department, but you weren't allowed to use your telephones on the Sabbath because that uses electricity, and then that it would be considered work. And they went to the rabbi, and they said, Rabbi, we, we want to call the fire department. This building is on fire, but we can't because, because of the Sabbath regulations. What should we do? And the rabbi went and pondered this question for 30 minutes finally coming back and saying, you can call the fire department. But in the meantime, multiple more buildings caught on fire. That's not the point of Sabbath. There was so much extra that was added. You see, coming back to our passage, Luke 6, verses 1 through 5, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began picking some heads of grain rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. And some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? You see, reaping was something that was forbidden on the Sabbath. Now, the original law was set up that you couldn't reap an entire field because that would be considered work. But the, the Pharisees are now, they're just picking a few things right off the top, just a few grains right off the top as they're walking by. And they're saying that that is work, that is unlawful. And Jesus answered them, have you, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. That's an important phrase. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. You see, Jesus is making this reference back to 1 Samuel 21, where David and his pals, they were on the run, and they, they were hungry. They hadn't had any food, and they went to the priest, and they, they said, hey, do you have any food? And the priest said, the only thing that I have is this showroom bread. No one was allowed to touch that but the priest. You see, in Jewish culture, there were two types of regulations. There were the ceremonial or the worship regulations. This was everything that you had to do in order to come to be able to worship with God, to come to the temple, to bring your sacrifice. There were strict regulations on, on what all of these things look like. And yet in this moment in 1 Samuel 21, we see a moment where the ceremonial laws or the worship regulations were broken, that they were set aside. 
Now, there's a second type that we see in Scripture. There's the moral regulations. Now, with moral regulations, never anywhere in Scripture do you see where uh, where you can get away with with breaking one of those things. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, commit adultery. Never anywhere do you see in Scripture where somebody, somebody steals something and then the writer says, hey, we get it. It was a tough moment. You had to steal. I understand why you had to commit adultery. A lot of men would have committed adultery in that moment. No, we don't see that anywhere in Scripture. That would be ridiculous. You see, there's this difference between the ceremonial and and the moral laws, and Tim Keller says it like this. It says that if the Sabbath and worship regulations can be set aside in a pinch, but on the other hand, there is absolutely no place in the Bible where the moral law can be set aside in a pinch, it means that the worship or ceremonial laws are provisional, meaning that they are temporary, meaning that they will end when something comes along that makes them obsolete to which they point. Jesus is ultimately saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, I am the one that the Sabbath regulations were pointing to. I can give you the deep rest of the soul. I am the Lord of rest. And see, and Jesus is offering this to it, and he's making this proclamation, and the Pharisees don't quite understand this when he's saying this. It just really ticks them off. You see, the Sabbath was created for us to look back and to bask in God's rest. And when Jesus stepped into the picture, Jesus is saying all the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament, everything that you had to do to try and get to God, I am the fulfillment of that. Come and rest in me. And see, we see two things when Jesus is is saying this to us. The first thing is this, we need rest. Jesus is saying, come rest in me. I am the Sabbath. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come engage in Sabbath or rest with me. I am the restoration for your daily, for your weekly, for your monthly. Sit with me. Sit in my presence and I will give you the rest. But the second thing, and the most beautiful thing in the world, is that Jesus came for our ultimate restoration. Jesus came for our ultimate condition. Jesus came for the ultimate meaning space that exists in our life. Jesus came and said, I'm going to live the life that you couldn't live. And I'm going to die the death that you deserve to die. And I'm going to be resurrected. And the ironic thing here is we're going to see in verse 11 here in a little bit is that the Pharisees are going to plot and they're going to see how they can get Jesus and the Pharisees will ultimately lead Jesus to the cross, the very thing that will make him the Lord of the Sabbath. You see, Jesus is saying that when you accept me as your Savior, that you enter ultimate rest, that your ultimate condition is now satisfied, that when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Jesus is the showroom bread. Jesus is the living water. Jesus is the restorative rest that our souls need. Jesus came for our ultimate condition. And he's inviting us on the daily and on the weekly and on the monthly to enter into that rest. You see, we continue in Luke 6, verse 6. It says, On another Sabbath... He went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. They're trying to trap Jesus any way that they can. 
But Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and he stood there. And then Jesus said to them, he's now speaking to the Pharisees, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And he looked around at them all, and he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. You see, Jesus came, and on the Sabbath, he restored the man's shriveled hand. And what Jesus is saying to us is, come rest in my rest. Come rest in me, because I want to restore your shriveled soul that our souls are in so desperate need of constant restoration, that there's so much going on in our lives, on the daily, on the weekly, on the monthly, that we are in desperate need. See, our third point, and then we're done, is this, that we must be proactive in creating Sabbath in our lives. You see, Jesus doesn't come and say, you don't have to do this Sabbath thing anymore. Eh, it's done. It's over. That's the old law. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of that. No, Jesus comes and says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. You see, for us, part of us in Western modern Christianity, we don't like rules. We don't like regulations. We don't like a structure. We look at that and we say, ooh, gross. That's the old, that's the old structure. And yes, there's so much extra that was added to that old way of doing things. But Jesus isn't saying, I want you to have all these regulations. What Jesus is saying is that he's all about the Sabbath, that he's all about rest for our souls. You see, what we tend to do is we tend to, every few weeks, we'll have a catch-up day where we just kind of sit at home and veg and watch Netflix and do nothing. And then we add church to that. But what we end up with is we just end up with church with the side of catch-up. And that church with a side of ketchup, that, that's not Sabbath, that's not restorative, that's not, that's not what our souls need. Our souls are in desperate need of constant restoration and renewal by the presence of God, by sitting in His presence. Psalm 63 verse 1, it says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. It's saying that I'm so dry, I'm so thirsty that I have to enter into God's presence, that I have to have this restoration. But how do we get this rest? You see, we have to add some structure to our lives. We have to implement some practices and we don't necessarily like that because then it starts to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm just kind of, now I'm trending towards being religious and adding some structure. But if we don't add any structure, then we'll never have any Sabbath. We'll never have any rest. And ultimately, there are two internal movements that have to happen inside of us. In other words, we have to change our way of thinking. The first thing is this, that I need to be free to rest. You see, when we can't say no to people, no to our jobs, no to all the extra stuff, well, we just become a slave. We just go back to the very thing in Exodus 20 where the Sabbath was set up for the children of Israel. We go right back there and we work seven days a week and we never take a break. And then we pat ourselves on the back of how much stuff I can handle and how good I am. And when, when what God is saying through this entire message 
is that, well, you're just a slave now. We've just gone back to Egypt where you're owned by something else. That this first internal movement that we have to have is we have to be free to rest. We have to recognize that I must live in this freedom to allow my soul to rest. The second thing that we see, this internal movement, is that I need to trust. You're not God. You don't sit on the throne. God sits on the throne. I need to trust that if I step back and I don't take those extra hours or I take that extra rest or I take that extra day off, I need to trust that God is on the throne, that he's watching out for me, that he's watching out for my family, that God is the one that provides. And when I can begin to incorporate this freedom and this trust into my internal movements, the way in which I think about things, only then can we get to the external practices. If you notice, I'm not talking about anything that we do until the very end of this, because all of that foundation has to be settled. The external practices, the first thing is this, make it a daily, a weekly, and a monthly slash quarterly practice. Adele Calhoun says, detachment finds its true home in attachment to Jesus only. What does this look like? On the daily, it looks like dripping in Sabbath to your life. John Eldridge says it this way, it's, it's benevolent detachment. And John Eldridge created this app called the Pause app. I would encourage you guys to get this app. It's by Wild at Heart Ministries, and it's got these, these one-minute prayers and I've worked with so many people to, to have these one-minute prayers just on your break, at your lunch, before you walk into work, when you leave work, you just, you just hit that one-minute pause, that one-minute prayer, and it's just a prayer of benevolent detachment. God, I give you all the people. I give you all the problems. I give you all the stress. I give you my family. I lay it all at your feet. You're dripping in Sabbath into your daily I encourage you when you pull into your driveway at night to put your head on the steering wheel, to say a prayer, to drip this Sabbath, this rest into your life on the weekly. Several years ago, Christy and I decided that Fridays were going to be our Sabbath. Fridays were the day that we were going to take, and it's, it's not a dogmatic thing. It's not like we have all the lights off and no TV and no phones totally, but it, but it is this like some Fridays it's, it's three hours and we go for a long walk. Or we go for a hike in the woods, or we go, we go skiing or ride our bikes together, and then we go to lunch, and we just kind of leave everything behind. Sometimes it's six hours. Sometimes it's a whole day. Sometimes we'll take the whole family. We'll go up in the mountains, go for a picnic. Something on the weekly that you're doing to in, in, engage in that rest and that restoration for your soul. And then on the monthly or the quarterly, if you could find time to get away for just two days, go on a camping trip where you have no cell service. I just went last week for two days away, just got away, went to the coast, had no agenda, went for a lot of walks, listened to a lot of worship music, sat on a bench and watched birds play. My soul needs that. And if I can incorporate that a few times a year into my life where I'm just getting away for two or three days, a vacation is not Sabbath. I'm going to Disneyland in a couple of weeks, and I promise you it is not the happiest place on earth, and I will not feel rested when I return. That's not Sabbath. Sabbath is rest. Second thing is this, engage in multiple streams of Sabbath. Multiple streams. One, restorative activities. Go fishing. Go skiing. Go ride your bike. Go snowmobiling in the mountains. Go for a, go for a hike. Go sit by a mountain stream. 
get out, get into nature, then when you get out and you engage in activities, you're, you're, you're just allowing your soul to rest. Science has shown that even a 20-minute walk in nature lowers cortisol levels. The second thing is contemplative, that I need space for the contemplative. I need time to just sit and to worship. I need time to just read a psalm and just sit with it. When I was away last week, Psalm 63, I just sat with Psalm 63 for, for, for those two days and just let it breathe life into my soul, meditating on Scripture. And then finally, inactivity. Find a bench and just sit. Find a stream and just sit. Find a lake and just sit. And just let inactivity breathe, come right back in. Because in those moments of inactivity, it will feel uncomfortable at first. But what that does is it restores. It restores our soul. The third thing is this, is that I have to be accountable to Sabbath time. My wife is incredibly good at keeping me accountable for Sabbath. Why did you schedule these things on a Friday? That's our Sabbath, that we have to be protection. We have to protect that. But we also have to know that we are going to have a tendency to blow past our boundaries. We have to be accountable. Have people in your lives that hold you accountable to taking time of rest. And the last thing is community. That we must be a community of believers that, that hold Sabbath, hold this rest, hold this restorative rest in Jesus to a very high place. And we say as a community that we're going to care for one another because when we as a church body continually drip the rest of Jesus into our life, the Sabbath into our life, it fills us up and it creates more space to go out and to do more work and to do more things for God. It centers ourselves back into the ultimate meaning of Sabbath, which, which was to worship and appreciate everything that God has done, everything that God has blessed us with. You know, I want to end with this scripture. In Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, it says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Let me pray for you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, God, our souls need to rest and to sit in your presence so that we may look back and to see everything that you have done, to look back and to see everything that you have blessed us with, to look back and to see who you are, not just in everything that's happening in our lives, but the ultimate sacrifice that you paid for us to become the Lord of the Sabbath, the restoration that our souls desperately needed. God, I thank you. I thank you for creating this Sabbath, this rest. I pray for everyone listening today that we would incorporate this, that we would drip this in, that we wouldn't let this message just filter by and we do nothing with it, but we would take this seriously and incorporate the rest that we so desperately need into our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.